Uh, Thanksgiving is this week, right? Coming up in a couple of days. And uh, of course, as followers of Jesus, we are directed to be thankful all the time. Uh, not just one week out of the year, but all the time. First Thessalonians 5.18, of course, says, Give thanks in all circumstances. And this is something we as Christians, we strive for and we work for. But, but it is special to have a day dedicated to Thanksgiving. It is great. It is really, I don't know about you, but I find it an enjoyable time uh, to, to, uh, to gather and to be with family and to be with friends and to really think about what we're thankful for. And we know Thanksgiving often requires a lot of preparation, right? There's a lot of preparation, uh, you know, whether you're traveling, whether you're cooking, whether you're uh, hosting people, whether you're visiting someone's house. It just seems like there's always preparation that needs to happen uh, for Thanksgiving. And so sort of in that spirit this morning, I want to talk about Thanksgiving preparation. And, uh, but I want to give you some spiritual preparation uh, for this upcoming week. I appreciate what Christian shared, or Dr. Christian, is that how we say? Uh, Dr. Christian, I appreciate what he shared. I uh, appreciate what uh, Greg and Sue shared as well, because a lot of what they talked about is actually coincides with what I'm going to be talking about. We didn't even coordinate it. I think it's the spirit working here. So, And I thought it would be appropriate uh, if we're going to talk about Thanksgiving and talk about spiritual preparation uh, for Thanksgiving. I thought it'd be appropriate that we read Matthew 14, 13 through 21, which is the story of Jesus feeding 5,000 people, right? Sounds appropriate for Thanksgiving. Maybe you feel like you're feeding 5,000 people. That was a joke. I'll point to you at the time to laugh, and then you guys, you erupt in laughter. That'll be, that'll be our agreement. Okay, good. That was a joke, too. So, <laughs> Uh, Matthew, Matthew chapter 14, uh, beginning in verse 13. It says, when Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so that they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Verse 16, Jesus replied, they do, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Verse 18, Jesus said, bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and he broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. And then the number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. So here is a story you've probably heard before. It's a great and inspiring story of Jesus. It's an epic miracle, right? Where Jesus defies uh, all, all the odds. He defies culinary logic. You know, he defies uh, physics. And he feeds 
5,000 people in one sitting. Uh, the interesting little nugget when I read this story that always sort of stands out to me is this. Right there in verse um, 18, verse 19 it is. It says, he took, he, he says, he looked up to heaven and he gave thanks for the food and then he broke it. He broke the bread. So he gave thanks and he broke it. You know, this story that I just read to you, it's in all four of the gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. All four of them mention this feeding of 5,000 people. And in three of those four, it also makes the point to mention that he gave thanks and he broke the bread. And John, his account says he gave thanks and then distributed the bread. So it doesn't say it exactly the same, but the implication is that he took it, gave thanks, and he broke it. And in fact, there's a very similar story like this, a separate event, but a similar story where Jesus feeds 4,000 people. And though that story is listed in two different parts of the Gospels, but in both of those, uh, those, those, those stories, it says the same thing, that he took the bread and he gave thanks and he broke it. So, uh, so, so you see this all throughout these different stories about Jesus. And of course, this idea or this phrase of breaking bread, what does it mean? Well, it's just an idiom that means having a meal together. That's all. You don't actually have to have any bread in, you know, to break bread. The, the phrase just means that we're eating together. And, you know, if you break bread with somebody, that means you're sitting and you're having a meal with them. But in this case, it's actually quite literal, you know, because Jesus had bread and he broke it. You know, this is before the days of, of sliced bread. Uh, this is, you know, uh, this, is, this is the days where they took a loaf of bread and they literally just broke it and everybody tore off a piece. They gave thanks and they broke the bread. This happens, you know, to us sometimes. You go to a restaurant maybe, and while you're sitting down to order, they bring out a basket of bread. Sometimes it's cut, sometimes it's not. So if it's just a loaf of bread, you reach over and you break off pieces and you, and you tear off and you hand them. And then your wife says, why are you touching all the bread? And then you think about it and you go, yeah, okay, that is a good point. Why are my hands all over the bread? But that's, you know, so it can literally be breaking of bread. This idea of thank, giving thanks and breaking bread actually resurfaces a little bit later in Mark chapter 14 in the Last Supper, where Jesus says he took the bread. You know, the, 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 the disciples were saying he took the bread and he broke it. He gave thanks and he broke it and he gave it to them to eat. But then he elevates it even more and he connects uh, uh, he connects meaning to it, a deeper meaning, a representation of his body being broken and given out. And that's, that's why we take communion. That's why we took it just a little while ago. It's an act of symbolism and remembrance. So the point of all of this, the nugget, the, the, yes, here it comes, right? The, 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 the little thing to think about as we are entering in Thanksgiving, the spiritual preparation is this gratitude and brokenness can coexist thankfulness and brokenness can coexist i say this to you because i think sometimes we think they can't 
we think in sort of extremes. We think, well, uh, I have so many problems going on in my life. I have so much pain in my life right now. I really have nothing to be thankful for. Or we may go to the other extreme. We're like, I am so grateful. Uh, why? Because everything is perfect. Everything in my life is just sailing along. And what we think is that gratitude and pain are mutually exclusive, but they're not. This is what the Bible is teaching us, that you can have problems and pain. You can feel brokenness and still be deeply and genuinely grateful. Yeah. Yeah. Am I talking about like a manufactured gratefulness? Like where you're like, okay, let me, let me, let me put on my grateful face. No, I, we're talking about you can genuinely yes. be grateful even in the midst of being broken. Amen. I'm going to illustrate it this way. Two weeks ago, I was in the White House. Not a White House. <laughs> the White House. I was there. That's me in the White House library. Here I am in the White House theater. It's me and my group. If you notice, we're not allowed to sit in the first four seats there. Uh, that's me. Here, here I am. That's the East Room of the White House. Now, I know this looks like I've Photoshopped myself in front of all that, but this is actually, this is legit. Like, I'm actually there. This is for real. In fact, this is me in the East Room in front of this famous painting of George Washington. If you remember this, in the War of 1812, when the British burned the White House, Dolly Madison, the then First Lady, she was only able to grab a few things, and she grabbed that painting of George Washington was able to save it. So that's a famous painting right there. And then here I am outside as we were exiting the White House, the front of the White House, the portico with the little lantern and all of that there. Uh, so I was at the White House two weeks ago and you may ask, well, why? Why were you at the White House? Well, good question. Let me tell you why I was at the White House. Why not? That's right. Thank you, Mark. Why was I not at the White House? Why weren't you at the White House? No. Yeah, okay. Well, here's why. In the 1960s, my father was in the Army, and he spent his three years in the Army, other than a little bit of training, he spent his three, three years in the Army uh, stationed at Fort Myer, which is in Virginia, and he was a part of the Honor Guard there. And part of his duty was he served as a tomb guard at the tomb of the unknown soldier. It's a pretty prestigious uh, job within the United States Army. And there's a very few number of people through the years who have actually done it. And my dad was a tomb guard. So last year, when my father passed away at age 80, years and years later, um, I was invited to become part of what is called the Society of the Honor Guard. It's the collection of all people who have ever been tomb guards throughout the history of the, tomb, of, the, of the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. And I was invited and given a, a what they call a legacy membership, which means that I, am, I, I never served as a tomb guard. I never was actually in, in the military at all. But because of my father, because he was, they give away one membership, one legacy membership that can be passed down to all of... It can be passed from me to other descendants of my father forever. And it's a way to remember his service. So as a member now of the Society of the Honor Guard, 
I uh, found out, I learned about their reunion that they have every two years in Washington, D.C., where all these tomb guards come together, young and old, and gather, men and women from all over, and gather for a reunion. And it's a, it's a whole weekend long. It's Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and it was two weeks ago. And I went down there on Friday, and I came back Saturday night. And Friday night, they actually asked me to speak a little bit to the, the society, and they showed a film that I made about uh, being a sentinel and uh, about being a tomb guard. And Saturday, because one of the former tomb guards, member of the society, now works for Secret Service at the White House, he had organized a special trip for all who wanted to get on a bus, and we went over to the White House. <laughs> and there I found myself walking through the White House. I never, ever, ever thought I would ever be in the White House. It just never crossed my mind that that would be an opportunity for me. I sent some of my photos to Bobby Ritter, and he's like, man, you look like you, you work there. He goes, I'll, I vote for you. And I, I was like, all right, well, there you go. 2024, right there. No, I'm, I'm kidding. Um, but I was, I was just in awe. I was so moved and so excited. I just could I mean, it, it really is a humbling experience to walk through there. Whatever your political beliefs are, doesn't matter. You're walking through you know, the White, the White House. It's, you're walking through history. And so it was very, very moving. And there's a couple of times I even felt a little choked up, you know, because I saw some of the, the portraits and the art. And I mean, it was just, it was very moving. After it was over, I had some time before the next event on Saturday. So I decided to go visit my father. My father is buried, buried in Arlington, Virginia. And so I went and I sat at his grave and I just sat there with him. And, uh, and as I was sitting there, my wife sent me a text. She said, you know, you ought to tell your dad thank you because it's because of him that all of this has happened to you. And I sat and thought through everything I just told you. And it's because of my, nothing, nothing of me, but because of my father and what my dad had done in his life that I was able to walk through the White House. And as I sat there, at my father's grave, I experienced exactly what I'm talking about right now. I sat there broken and grateful at the exact same time. And the truth is, as we are preparing for Thanksgiving, we have to remember that we can be broken and we can be thankful at the same time. Are you experiencing brokenness today? Are you going through things that are hurting you? Are you feeling hopeless? Are you feeling wounded? Maybe it's something at work. Maybe it's something at home. Maybe it's something with your family. Maybe it's with a friend or your finances. Maybe it has to do with something with your health. Is there something that is plaguing you today? Whatever it is, you can still find gratitude. Maybe, and maybe you're one of the rare people that nothing's going wrong in your life right now. Everything is great. Then you just turn on the news, right? You turn on the news and you hear news about wars and death and hatred and racism and mass shootings and just destruction all around the world. So even if you personally are not hurting it's hard not to look around and, and hurt because of all the hurt that is going on 
all around. The point is this, we all have plenty of things to break us, but according to the Bible, we can still find genuine gratitude and still be thankful. I don't, I don't like being broken. I don't like it. I like being together. I'm not, <laughs> but I like it. But there's plenty of things in life that just, that, that break us down. And so when those things happen in my life, whether they're things that I did wrong and I've brought brokenness upon myself or whether they're things outside of my control and I'm just sort of the recipient of it, either way, I don't like being in that realm. You know, I appreciate when Greg said just a little while ago when he said, uh, he goes, yeah, when Phil called me uh, on Friday to do the communion message, you know, I know he was kind of talking about his thoughts. All I heard was, Phil is so irresponsible that he waited till Friday to call somebody. It's not like he didn't know Sunday was coming. That's all I heard. I was like, oh. And then you said it again. You said it twice. I was like, oh, okay, all right, I get it. I know that's not what you meant, but that's exactly what I was thinking. Is like, come on, Phil. You know, so again, I don't like that realm. Not, not you didn't do anything. That was my own interpretation of it. Um, but, but I don't, you know, it's hard to be in that realm. But we can still find gratitude. Brokenness and thankfulness can coexist together. And I'm not trying to suggest that the only, that, that brokenness is the only path to gratitude, because it's not. But what I am saying is that in your pain, in your trouble, in your problems, you can still find gratitude. It's a great verse, Psalm 34, verses 17 through 18. It says, the righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. There is something right there to be thankful for. If nothing else, the fact that the Lord is close to those who are broken and those who are crushed in spirit. You notice that it doesn't say that you won't have trouble. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say that you won't be crushed. It doesn't say that you won't ever be brokenhearted, but it does say that, you, that the Lord is close and he will deliver and he will save people in those situations. Yeah. You know, that's something we can be grateful for. And, you know, and let me just throw this little bonus out for you here. You, you never really know how God will work even through your brokenness. You never really know how God can piece together something even more glorious and beautiful to his honor, even through our brokenness. There's a great story you can read sometime in Acts 27, where Paul is being transported as a prisoner to Rome, and he's on a ship with a group of people, and while they're on the ship, a storm comes up, and the ship eventually crashes and sinks. But the Bible says that, the, 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 that when the ship crashes, it, it breaks into pieces. And it's the pieces of the boat that the people on the boat use to allow themselves to get float to safety. 
And so that, the Bible says, not one soul, not one person was lost in the shipwreck. It's amazing how God uses brokenness, in this case, brokenness of a boat, in order to save people. Now, if you're like me, you may go, yeah, you know what would have been cooler is if the boat just didn't break, right? (laughs) How about we do it like that? How about we just don't have the boat crash and they all get there safely? Well, that's an option, but that's not what happened here. That's not what happened. In fact, the, what could have happened is the boat could have just sank in one piece and everybody just drowned. That, that could have happened. But it was actually through the brokenness of it that, that God was able to save everybody. So you never really know how God will work. Even, even this story that I just read to you in Matthew, go back to verse 13 of chapter 40. The, the very first thing I just read to you, it says, when Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew. Well, what, what had happened? What was it referring to? Well, you read a little bit before that, it was referring to the death of John the Baptist. Jesus, right before this miracle that we just read about, he had just gotten terrible news that his cousin was dead and, and, and had been murdered, had been killed. And it doesn't say how Jesus is feeling here. It doesn't give us that, but we can kind of piece it together because his response is when he hears it is to withdraw. There's probably feeling, there's probably some sadness. There's probably some brokenness that Jesus is feeling. But even in that, when all the crowd arrives, all, God is still able to work and bring about an incredible faith-filled miracle, even in a broken situation for Jesus. And so the point just is emphasized that brokenness and gratitude can coexist. You may be broken right now. You may be having something going on in your life that really hurts. I I don't know what it is, but God knows what it is. But even in that, there is something, there is a way that we can find gratitude. Genuine gratitude is inspiring, especially when we're broken, especially. It's one thing when we're grateful when things are going well, but it's even more inspiring when we're genuinely thankful in the midst of our pain. I'm going to close out here with a video. This is a short little three-minute video of somebody in an extreme situation who is very thankful. I'll give you a little background before I show it. This is a video of a man named Alex Game, I believe is how you pronounce it. He's Norwegian. And in 2011 and 2012, Alex did a solo trip all by himself across Antarctica to the South Pole. He hiked across Antarctica to the South Pole. And this video, what he did as he went to the South Pole, every two days he would stop and bury uh, a sort of a stash of food for himself in the ground. He buried it in the ground so that on his way back, it would be there and he could feed himself on the way back. And this video that you're going to see is a video uh, of him returning from the South Pole. So he's already been to the South Pole and he's coming back. This is day 86 of his journey by himself in Antarctica. And he's got his camera. He's filming himself. There's nobody else there. He's filming himself. He's already at this point lost 55 pounds. And he has just found, in this video, you'll see he has just found his last little cache of food 
that he had stored for himself almost three months earlier. And he doesn't remember what's in this. He, doesn't, he just knows it's there, but he doesn't remember what he put there. And so again, he's, he's videoing himself. And the greatest thing about this video I'm going to show you is this. It's not in English. It's not in Spanish. It's not, it's, it's, I don't know. I think it's Norwegian is what I think it is. So you're probably not going to understand a word that he says, but you're going to see, you're still going to understand gratitude. You can understand what he said at the end, right? <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Listen, gratitude and brokenness can coexist. And genuine gratitude 
is inspiring, especially, especially in the middle of our pain. So let's keep this in mind as we are moving into the week of Thanksgiving. Let us be spiritually grateful, no matter where God has us in our lives right now. We're going to close out with one more song, have our worship team come forward. Thank you, and happy Thanksgiving. Amen.